0: You I was just reading, just on Friday, Jesus, Matthew says these words. He says, there's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. He says, why do you worry so much about physical life when life is more than physical? It's quite a challenge because food and clothing and shelter are the core necessities to this physical life. But Jesus says not to worry about them because there's a life that's more than life. And the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to all of us this life that's more than life. He wants us to truly live and know and experience tangibly this life called the kingdom life, this eternal life. And Jesus paid the price. He's worthy of it all. He died that you and I would experience and know. Not just have an intellectual understanding of, yeah, concepts and truth, but a tangible experience of Himself. That His power that is through the Spirit of God would bring us into this life that's more than and it doesn't mean that this life isn't important. It's very important. But with this life that's more than, your influence here and what you get to experience within you is far greater than this. just this physical life. You know, God is the God of the supernatural, isn't He? He is supernatural. He lives in the supernatural. He's outside of time. Anyone else live outside of time? be pretty cool, wouldn't it? But as sons, you know, there's a a connection with the Father that you can live in a way that is sort of outside time. It's like it's outside the norm of the day-to-day life. It's outside of those things. You know, there's a guy called Peter, and Peter gets to walk on water. That's not very natural. Anyone tried that lately? You tried walking on water. But this guy called Peter, he walks on water because he hears a command. And the commanders come into the supernatural life. Come and experience the life that I know because Jesus is standing on water. And Jesus is man when he's standing on water. But he's a man filled. He's a man who knows. He's a man who has experienced. He's a man that is so one with his father that he's able to stand on water. Then he calls another man to stand on water. Are you capturing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying? He calls another man to stand on water and take steps on water. It's not natural. But we don't worship a God who's natural. We worship a God who's supernatural. He sneezes and planets come into being. He releases things and stuff happens. He comes into your heart and He heals everything. That's right. He's so worthy of it all, isn't He? And he says, my church, there is a life to know now that is beyond the daily grind of breakfast, dinner, lunch, school, job, holidays, stuff. He says, I know you need clothing. He says, I know you need food. He says, I know you need shelter. But he says, there's a seeking first of another realm and reality that is available on the earth. For my son came to bring it. Isn't that Matthew's prayer in Matthew 6 that Jesus prays? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So he had to send the one of heaven to come on the earth to demonstrate to mankind what's fully possible for a mankind that is surrendered and submitted and living in the influence of the power of the Spirit. I don't think it gets any better than that. What an invitation that is. Do you know that's what He wants you and I to know? That's called relational connection, isn't it? Not religious ceremony, relational connection. I pray that my people would be one as we are one. That the love that I have, that's in the Son would be in them. That they would know the power of love, the healing power of love, the power to set a captive free from himself or herself. He's so worthy because what He brings is life. So Father, today, as we look at faith, hope, and love, the three characteristics, these stabilizers that bring maturity, that bring us into this life that I'm talking about, Father, that you're revealing here in us and to us and through us. God, I pray that our ears would hear and our eyes would see and our minds would be renewed to understand your will. The fullness of your will, my Father, the fullness of love, the fullness of faith, the fullness of hope. Not just a sprinkling, Lord. So right now, Holy Spirit, we ask you to do what you've been commissioned to do, which is to lead the church, which is us, into the fullness, all truth, that we may live a life worthy of our calling, worthy of your death and your resurrection. And may we not come short of this life that you died for us to experience, but may we go after it with everything in our being. For that is what you've promised us to those that ask, seek, and knock. How much more will you give those who ask, seek, and knock. So God, I pray that we would be found asking, seeking, knocking. And that love would come. And faith would come. And hope would come. And be stabilizers that operate within us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please come with me to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. If you're new with us, welcome. My name is Greg if we haven't met. And uh, it's awesome that you can be with us today. and We can serve you in any way, let us know. Sent an email out. uh, And also if you're not getting our emails and if you'd like to just the guys at the info desk your email because we communicate a lot through email, um, so we can let people know what's happening. And I sent an email out Friday, uh, just letting us know about Sunday nights so are resuming. We're going to have our Sunday gatherings again for the year, and um, depending on how many people turn up, we might be in here, we might be in the cafe. But what we're going to be looking at is the Book of Ephesians first off. And Sunday nights, like the mornings, but they're slightly different. Are uh, equipping and the building up of the body for the unity of the faith and works of service. So we don't want to be a people that just turn up to meetings. We want to be growing. We want to be being built because God has some things for us to do while we're here on earth. Amen. And we need to know what those things are. And so we're a growing, expanding, teaching, building church because God says build big people. He builds big people. The gates of Hades don't overcome the people he's building, the Bible says. And so we want to partner with what he's doing. And so I want to invite you, encourage you, urge you. As I say, we're going to look at the book of Ephesians and preach what's there. Preach the revelation of the words on the page. There's so many amazing things in the book of Revelation that we want to bring to light and to life. And so we're going to go through Revelation 1-1, 1-2, 1-3 line by line, precept upon precept, and literally draw out what is sitting behind the pages to those that have had the revelation of what's sitting behind the pages to bring light. Paul said that his job, the uh, thing he was assigned to do was to make known the mysteries of the kingdom. And he'd been graced to make known these mysteries, so he wrote them down for us that we would know them too. Amen. And so that's going to be starting the first night in February. But 1 Corinthians 13, the infusion of faith, hope, and love is what I've called this. The infusion of faith, hope, and love. It says, when I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. Children act a certain way, don't they? Because they're children. And we act a certain way as Christ and we come in because we're children. But God wants to grow us, doesn't he? He doesn't want us to continue to think like children. He doesn't want us to act like children. He wants us to grow into the full maturity of him. That's the purpose. That's the the point of being a follower is to become like The Because when you're like the sun, you can live like the sun. The sun was mature. So as you grow and become like the sun, you live a mature Christian life. You're no longer scrobbling, quarreling over position. You're no longer fighting with one another. You're no longer arguing. You're no longer trying to look after self because that's immaturity. You're no longer living for yourself because that's immaturity. Maturity is living for Christ and others. And so you have this work going in you because you're growing up like a child grows up. And this is what Paul is saying here. He says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I know fully, just as I also have been fully known. We can know a massive part now. And he says this, But now faith, hope, love, abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. Faith, hope, love, but the greatest of these is love. And what I want to do today is just spend a bit of time talking about how those three things are infused together and how there is a sequence in order in which those things work. And then just look at them as three separate stabilizers because towards the end of last year, um, I was having issues, as you know, with my back. And uh, God was talking to me about core and core strength and how the core in our physical build strengthens our whole body. And I had to work on my core to strengthen my back because it's the core muscles at the front that hold you in place. Anyone know what I'm talking about? And so he then started talking to me about faith, hope, and love are the core stabilizers of our, faith, of our relationship with him. Faith, hope, and love bring maturity. If we know what faith, hope, and love are biblically, it'll bring this growing up. But the Bible says that love is the greatest. So we need to unpack love. We need to know who love is. Love is a person. Before he's in action, he's a person. God is love. Love is God, the Bible says. Chris spoke about that last week. And so I don't know how long for, but over the next few months, we're just going to be looking at faith, hope, and love and ripping apart All of them, one of them, two of them, how it affects our life. And so if you're writing stuff down, write down that faith, hope, and love are the core stabilizers in our relational connection. That's what we looked at in December. Relational connection versus religious ceremonies. So faith, hope, and love keep us stabilized. They build us in a relational connection with our Father powerful stuff. And the Bible says that we're to abide in these. What does that mean? What does it mean to abide in Christ? I certainly can't do it through my flesh. So what does that mean to abide in Christ and abide in faith, hope, and love? Well, the word abide means to remain as one, not to become different or another. To remain As one, to remain, not to be out and in, out and in, out and in, but to remain as one. What did Jesus pray? Oneness, the power of being one. I pray that they would be one and they would remain in oneness. So the Bible says that we are to remain, we are to abide continuously in faith, hope and love, but love being the greatest. Go have a read of John 15 if you want to look at abiding in Christ. And as I said, there's the sequencing pattern. God works the patterns. He builds upon patterns. He gave five building gifts to the church, and then he put them in a pattern. He said, first apostle, second prophet, third teacher. Why does he do this? Because he's a builder, and builders build to patterns they build to architecture they build to design plans he said to Moses go build according to the plan in which I give you for the tabernacle he's not a god of accident he's not a god of random he's not a god of just oh whatever how she goes how she fits he's a god of the sequence in order he's specific to the detail he does everything what an amazing god eh you can trust that god that's not random At times I'm random. At times I'm lazy. God's not. He does everything specific to design in his time. And so faith, hope, and love are in a sequencing pattern of one, first love, two, faith, three, hope. Have you ever asked why? Because they're infused together. And when you put them together and they're infused together, when they're abiding, it produces something. Have you got hope this morning? Have you got a living hope that the Bible talks about? How much hope do we have? The Bible says, for the joy set before him, he went the cross, and that was not a good day when he went the cross. You see, do you know it's possible that you can have hope in the darkest hour? You can have hope when everything looks like the world is caving in. Why? Because hope is something you have within you that determines what's happening around you. How much hope do we have? A living hope that's within us. We're going to look at that. Why is love the greatest? First thought, love is the greatest because God is love. Love. Love is God. Have you thought about that? See, sometimes we talk about love as this thing that's outside of God. But the Bible says God is love. He embodies love. He is the embodiment of love. You know, we say like this, I need to pray for patience. No, you need to pray and ask God to reveal himself in you because God is love. So love is patient, isn't it? I need to be more kind to people. No, you need more of God within you because God is kind. He's gentle. He forgives. See, sometimes we separate all these attributes out from God, but he is these things. So if I know God and I'm getting God revealed, guess what? I'm going to have all the life that's in God because God is love and love is God. There is no separation from God. Everything comes from him and through him, and it comes back to him. But what we do is we separate it out, and we put it into boxes, and we put it out, and we wonder why, well, that's all a bit weird, I'm not sort of in this life, because I'm almost like, well, I know God, but I'm after this thing called love, and he says, but it's me. I'm after hope. He says, yeah, but it's me. It's found in me. And I'm after joy, but it's me, because it's a fruit of me. And so love is the greatest, because God is love. God is the embodiment of love, and as children, we must be the recipients of love. We must receive His love through the power of the Spirit of God. I've had many conversations with people who say, I'm trying to study the love of God. I'm trying to learn. I remember having a conversation with a man about this, and I said, you don't study or learn, God. You receive God. He looked at me like I was speaking in another language. I said, You're trying to do something of the intellect. You're trying to figure out God in your head, and you have to receive God, which then brings understanding in your head. You're going the wrong way round. You need to stop. That's the operating system, the wisdom of the flesh. He said, You receive love. You receive. You don't find it, you receive it as you seek it. But it's done through the power of the Spirit. That's why we need to know the Spirit of God. Because they are abiding as one, aren't they? And they all have a separate mission, but they're still one. And so we receive. The Bible says receive what is freely given. do you love that? It's given. Here, take it. Receive it. You know when you, you have to receive gifts. How many people got awesome gifts on Christmas Day? After Christmas Day, birthdays, we have birthdays and Christmas all wrapped up in one because our timing is useless. But how many people know there's no sort of timing for that stuff? that to ruin the moment. But anyway, half of you got it, the other half are still catching up. But you get gifts and you receive the gift, don't you? You receive it. You put it on, or you play with it, or you use it with remote controls, or you wear it, or whatever you do, but you have to receive the gift. You didn't go looking for it. The person took time, and they bought it, and it cost them something, and then they gave it to you. And so we have to receive and embody this thing called God, love, through his power. Listen to Romans 5, verse 5. And hope does not disappoint. Wow. Why, Greg? Because the love of God has been what? Poured out. Been. Has been. Has been. Poured out. Where? Within our hearts. How? Through the Holy Spirit. Who was what? Given to us. Let's go through that again. And hope does not disappoint. That's interesting. So we have hope, we're not disappointed. Because hope doesn't disappoint. The Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick, but hope does not disappoint. So if you receive hope, if you have hope, there's no disappointment. Man, that's powerful, isn't it? That's going to trump some things, isn't it? Because you've got something greater than what might be coming at you. The circumstance or the situation or the person or whatever it is, you have something, hope, greater in you that trumps that thing. Unbelievable. Why? Because the love of God. Why is God first? Because God's love is powerful, isn't it? It heals. It realigns. It builds. It brings. sets apart. It does all the things that the Bible says it will do. And it causes life. So this love gets poured out. So hope doesn't disappoint. Where is it? Within my heart. Not my mind. My heart, which is my spirit. How? Not through my ability to study it and learn it. No, through the Holy Spirit, who was what? Given. I'm going to send my Spirit so you people, my people, can know this reality. This tangible reality. I don't know how much of your relationship is theory or theoretical or abstract, But can I tell you that God wants it to be experimental and tangible. In 1997, I experienced a love, a tangible love that was not present when I woke up. It was supernatural. I didn't go looking for it. I prayed and asked something, and it wasn't even about love, and got it. You see, God saw a broken vessel but I experience, and I continue to experience, the tangible love of God. It's like it's, a, it's not a feeling, but it is. It's something that takes over your being. It fills you to a measure that you want to run around and tell everybody. its You'll do crazy things because you've experienced tangible love. And you know what? It's limitless. There's not a measure that one is, oh, well, I'm, I'm 90%. It's, no, no, it's like, how much do you want? Because God wants to keep filling, filling, so you're an overflowing vessel, so then when people meet you, all they meet is love. It's like this love and this love, but it's not your love, it's His love moving through you, because our love is limited. His love is unlimited. And it's like, man, you're crazy. You love me. You just love me. You love me. You can love on stuff. Love covers a multitude of stuff, sin. Yes? Do you know that can be our reality? But through the power of God, this is what it's telling us, through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is full of power, isn't he? Because he's God. And Paul said, I want to know the power of the resurrected life, didn't he? I want to have oneness. I want to abide in this power. Why? Because I've got a life to live that's not natural, it's supernatural. Why is love the greatest, Greg? Because it sets a person ablaze. It brings a love that you've never known. Not even the love of a parent can match this love. It doesn't even come close. We think it does. It doesn't. My dad loved me the best he could, but he had conditions on that love. A great relationship with my father, but he couldn't love me like Jesus loved me. This love, guys, it's unbelievable, and it ain't of planet earth, but it's available on planet earth for everyone who will seek it. It moves you, it's not this spiritual, wacky, it's real, it's tangible. You feel it. Man, it makes you cry. I listen to the song at the moment. You are the way, the truth, and the life. I just start crying in my lounge because I know how true that is. And there's this love, and he fills the room, and you're like, my goodness, I don't want to move or say anything because he's here. But he's here too. But he's here, and he's here, and It's full. And it's poured out. Look at John 17, 26. And I have made. This is Jesus talking. Jesus has made your name, God, known to them. Who? The disciples. He says, Father, I have made. That's a complete statement, isn't it? But then he says this, and I'm going to make it too. I've made it known to them and will make it known. Why so that? Every time you see a so that, stop. Don't just read on like, oh, so that, or whatever. So that, you ready? The love with which you have loved me may be where? In them, and I where in them. I'm adding the where's and the how's and the what's. Okay? Let's read that again. And I, Jesus, have made your beautiful name. Isn't it in the name of Jesus healing comes? In the name of Jesus life. In the name of Jesus freedom. In the name of Jesus, he comes to set the captive free, to bring the church into an expression of abundant life. So in that name, he says, oh, I've made it known to my disciples. I'm going to make it known. I'm going to continue to make it known. I'm going to continue to reveal more and more and more. Why? So that my people can know the love which, God, you love me with. Jesus is saying, the love that you love me with, I want them to experience it. Why are we trying to find it in other people? Why do we try and find it in a spouse, in a child? We spend more time looking for it in people than we do in God. And we wonder why we haven't found it because you're looking in the wrong place. You know what you do when you look for someone else? You suck the life out of them because they cannot perform what you're looking for. They can't give you the love that's going to fill you and give you peace and joy. And so what you do is you suck the living life out of someone else. You kill the relationship. You leave them dead. Then you go looking for the next target or victim. And you suck the life out of them because they cannot give you what you're looking for. Only the Father can. And the Father says, I've poured it out through my Son and my Spirit that you can know it and it can be living in you it's tangible it's not abstract it's not out there in the clouds somewhere it's to be in man when i received it my life changed and it's been changing You wouldn't have found me in this building. You wouldn't have found me with my hands in the air. You wouldn't have found me reading the Bible. You wouldn't have found me praying. You would have found me at the clubs. You would have found me on the sports field. You would have found me anywhere else but here and with you people doing the things that we do. That was wacky, weird, and they were all nut jobs. I didn't understand anything. And all of a sudden, you receive love, and now you're one of them. That was not my choice to be my hands in the air, doing a jig, reading the Bible. It was boring. What did God know about life? And then you get touched by the power of love and apprehended and turned and then sent this complete way. And then you run into people who used to know you when you were in the clubs, when you were in football, and they say, what do you now do and who are you? (laughs) And then you tell them and they go... That's a party killer right there. (laughs) And some of them go, wow, really? You? I wasn't that bad. (laughs) Yes, I was. Yes, we are. Come with me to Ephesians 3. So this is out of Ephesians and I said to you we're going to unpack Ephesians and there is so much there's so much in every book but man Ephesians I mean it has the fivefold it has the bride of Christ it has the armor of God it has Paul saying guard your heart it has him talking about things it has Paul saying who he was and his purpose there's so much for us to know and come into and Ephesians 3.14 says this for this reason what reason? Ephesians 3, 1 to 13 is the reason. For this reason, he's saying, I've been given this grace to bring to light the mysteries of God's kingdom. Matthew says that we've been granted to know the mysteries of this kingdom. So he's for this reason, I bow my knees. I know who I am, he's saying. I know my calling. He says, I know the lane that God has for me. For that reason, I bow my knees before my Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. We want to be in his family. I'm no longer, but I am, if you can hear him saying, I'm a simnor, but I'm a son. So my identity now is being a son, no longer a simnor. Because that was my fleshly identity. Being a son is my spiritual identity. Doesn't mean I throw away my simnor. I'm proud to be a simnor. But I'm a son first. Simnor second. Because I'm in the family of God in heaven. That, listen to this, that God would grant you, he's talking to the Ephesians, he's talking to us, this letter was not just for the Ephesian church, it was for the churches. According to the riches of his glory, And when I'm reading this out, join the links between the first two scriptures I've told you, given you, because these are all linked together. He would grant you according to the riches of His glory, not our glory, His glory, that God would grant you, give you, what? To be strengthened with power through His Spirit, where? In the inner man, right there, we've just covered the other two passages, haven't we? He writes the same thing everywhere. Why? Because we're thick? No, so we can get it. (laughs) That's why we're going over stuff. Because until we get it, I mean get it, not get it, and it's tangible and in you, you haven't got it. So he's wanting us to get his revelation. So that's why he's speaking the way he speaks in all his letters, so that, there's that word again, stop, hold your breath, you ready? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts, Christ is love, may dwell in your hearts through what? Oh, faith, hope, and love. And that you being what? Rooted and grounded in God, love, love, May be able to what? Comprehend, understand with what? All the saints. Do you know you're a saint? Do you know your inheritance as a saint? Because there's these other saints that know. So we're we on the same page as the saints that know. Why? Because we're to be one, aren't we? And if we abide in faith, hope, and love, we're going to know what the inheritance is for the saints, which we are saints. Wow. So that you'd be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ, which, what? Surpasses knowledge. It bypasses the intellect and goes straight to the Spirit. And then when the Spirit receives it through revelation, the mind captures it. Now you're powerful. Now you have understanding. And then it says... That you may be filled up to all the fullness. You see, there's a clear process, there's a sequencing pattern of order in which Paul has given you in just how many verses is that? Five verses. He's giving it, he's writing it to show you God's sequencing order. If you get this power that's in the Spirit of God, in your innermost man, you will have Christ abide, dwell in you, in your hearts, through faith. Noah built an ark by what? Through faith. Abraham, through faith, went away and what did he do? Left his land. Through faith, through faith, through faith, through faith. And then you'll be able to comprehend with all the saints, past, present, future, God, and then you'll have a full life on earth. God is not the God of lack, is He? I mean, the, the guy, the guy, you know, takes some fish and loaves, and there's leftovers. He never does anything just scraping in. He doesn't give his leftovers and go, well, first I'm going to spend that money on me and I might give you a fiver. He didn't give the speckled lamb, he gave the spotless lamb. And then he says, people, this is what I want to put in you through my power. Not through your ability, that has to die. Man's strength has to be left at the cross and the cross kills man's strength. And then there's this other strength that comes into man because man died at the cross. Did Jesus die at the cross? Do you think you need to die at the cross? And then get raised again. Doesn't the Bible say you need to die to yourself? So you need to die, don't you? You need to receive across a word that trumps you. 1997, I received the word, the love of God, God, that trumped Greg. Greg was living for himself. Using God when I wanted him. Live for me. Use God. Love for me. Use God. Live for me. Use God. See, I valued me more than I valued God. Why? Because I didn't know God. I knew him enough to use him. And when I get in trouble to call on his name, he's so loving, he did. That's abuse, isn't it? If you're in a relationship like that with a person where you use them for stuff, isn't that abuse? doesn't go too well in physical relationships, but you know, God's so big and powerful and full that he continues to love us while we use him, hoping That after the sixth time of receiving incredibleness, you may just humble your knee and turn and repent. Man, this love is the greatest because there's nothing like it. And you can know it and it can be full. And Paul writes it, guys, because he's in it. He's in it. And the challenge for the church is not to understand the Scriptures. In our mind, it's to come into the life of the Scriptures. That's what the Scriptures are for, to come into the life of the Scriptures, that then you could speak of the Scriptures. Then you'll have a renewed mind when you're in that position. But of course, we try and go the other way around. And we try and study and learn and operate as 1 Corinthians 2 teaches us. But Paul said this, he said, I don't come in persuasive words so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of man, but on the power of God. So that's love. Is love our root system? Are we grounded in God? Love. Faith is the second in the sequencing order of God. Hebrews 11.1, 1, Man, have we been banging about this? Who can tell me off your top of your head without looking at the scripture? Hebrews 11.1, 1, what does it say? Shout it out so we can hear it. Faith is the assurance of things we don't see. That'll do. <laughs> Faith is the assurance of what we hope for, the conviction of things not seen. Wow. Faith is the assurance, I'm assured of what I'm hoping for, the conviction of things not seen. So there's a knowing of things that are not seen here but seen in the Spirit because God has given us the spirit to see the spirit kingdom, isn't it? Didn't Jesus say to Pilate, my kingdom is not of your realm, meaning my world and your world are completely opposite. You can't see my world because it's invisible and it's of the spirit. So Pilate, you're never going to see my world unless my spirit is filled in you so you can see the invisible realm that exists on the earth. You and I have been given the Holy Spirit, according to the Scriptures, to see and hear the realm and the world that exists, but it's in the invisible, but it's present. That's what faith is. See, faith and trust are not the same things. We've confused them. Trust comes from knowing love. Okay? You need to write this down if you're taking notes. Trust comes from knowing love, God, Faith comes by hearing love, God. They're two different realities, but we think faith and trust is the same thing. It's not. What you need to do is trust God when you can't see. But when you can see, you have a conviction, so there's no longer trust needed. You just go and grab it. Can you hear what I'm saying? See, we mess things up, and they are separate. And you need to capture it because it's really powerful. Because one has an absolute conviction that you can know. So if I can't see, I trust in the one who can see, God. And then as I trust and step out blindly, what happens? Sight. Wow. Now I can see. Now I have faith. So I go, trust, faith, trust, faith, trust, faith, trust, faith. But the greater the faith, this is what Abraham, had. that's what made him righteous. He wasn't taking a punt, guys. Abraham wasn't taking a punt on his son. The Bible says he could see. He even says, he says, me and the boy are coming back after we worship. So he had sight that God was going to either kill him, raise him up, or provide something. Isn't that what happened? That creates a confidence, doesn't it? Faith, hope, and love bring maturity. Maturity is confidence in Christ. No longer tossing to and fro. No longer second guessing. No longer going, oh, I don't know, I don't know. Living from feelings. Living from faith. Sight. That's our identity. Being a person of faith means being a person of spiritual sight one of the purposes of being born again is to be able to hear and understand God, which brings spiritual sight of the kingdom we are to be living in and from. Yes? Let me read that again. One of the purposes of being born again. How many born again followers have we got here? Born of the Spirit. Okay, so one of the purposes, of you are born again, is to be able to, hear and understand Him, love, receive it, know Him, have a personal oneness with Him, which brings, because the outcome of that brings spiritual sight of His kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, and we're to be living in it and from it. That's pretty cool, isn't it? I think it is. Two Corinthians, come with me there. Who's in awe of what you're hearing? Who's in reverence of what we're hearing? See, the Word of God, if I can understand it in my mind, it ain't the Word of God. (laughs) Let's be honest. If I can do things in my own strength, it's not God. God has set the whole deal up so I can't do it in my strength. Paul said, it's Christ's power in me that enables me to do all things. So if I'm doing stuff, it ain't God. If I can do things in my own strength, it's not Him. Can you hear what I'm saying? I cannot build the church. Why? Because Jesus said He builds it. But I can be built. As I enter and receive love, and as I start seeing faith, and this is what we're about to hear, therefore, This is 2 Corinthians 4.16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. Man, am I experiencing my outer man decaying? (laughs) Knee issues, back issues, but my inner man. This is the encouragement. This is where the hope is. My inner man, don't you laugh, it is, is being renewed. Day by day, not week by week, not month by month, not year by year, day by day. Why? Because we sit with the Father and the Spirit, and He has much to reveal in us. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Was this man's life easy? Man, he was beaten. He was stoned. He was left to rot in a prison. He was shipwrecked. His life, they were trying to take it all the time. And he goes, momentary light affliction compared to what I see. That's what sight does. It brings Hope, because of what you can see, if you can 't see it 's hopeless. This is why people unfortunately and very sadly take their lives because they get to the end of a life and there 's no hope because hope is in Christ, and so there 's no sight, and so they unfortunately and sadly they take their life. but where to have sight? We're to have hope, and there's no condemnation in that. But we as His people are to see, because when we see, we have hope. And you too can say, man, what I'm going through is momentary light compared to what is within me. Why? Because I found it and figured it out? No, because through my persistence and my perseverance and my pursuit of God, He revealed it in, and I received. Then it's about to get better. While we look not at the things which are seen, meaning the physical, but at the things which are not seen, how do you look at things that aren't seen? You see, Jesus said to the religious people, he said, you guys see, but you don't see. And you hear, but you don't hear a thing. That's pretty scary, isn't it? Then he turned to his disciples and he said, but you have been granted to know. You've been granted to see. You've been granted to hear. What? The mysteries of the kingdom that no longer are mysteries that are revealed truths. And this is what Paul is saying. That's why he's bowing his knee before the Father. He's praying, he's praying, he's praying, he's praying. Can we get more people at the prayer meeting on Wednesday, please, this year? Because we need to pray, we need to pray. If you guys are going to see what I'm talking about, we need to be on our knees praying, not just individually, as a church, as a family. Let's fill the auditorium with people who want to pray. Why? Because sight comes through prayer. And Paul's saying this, he says, But at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are what? Temporal. Here today, gone tomorrow. Are we not living in a world that's perishing? Does not God say, I'm going to create a new heaven and a new earth? So why would you anchor yourself to the temporal? Why would you take your heart and anchor it to a person, a job, money, sport, the planet, when it's all going down the toilet, that would be ludicrous, wouldn't it? Do you know why we do it? Because we can't see. So we do what we see is why we live. So what, we li- what we're what we looking at is how we live. And when we get another vision, which is really what vision is, it's not that plank, plank on a wall, it's vision, it's sight. When we get a vision of sight, we see something far greater and we go, I'm going to anchor my life to him. I'm going to anchor my life to the kingdom, which is new, and the word that doesn't perish, and he's bringing a new reality because if I anchor my heart to the stuff that's perishing, I go with it when it perishes. And I reckon it'll be too late when it all happens, when you figure it all out, it'll be too late because you've attached yourself to it. But it's not to be that way. And today is an opportunity for salvation. Today is the day of salvation. That's what the Bible says. Tomorrow will be the day of salvation. But why wait tomorrow? And I'm not talking about a justified state. I'm talking about actually the process of salvation, which you go, Lord, I need to get serious with you. I need to turn from everything I'm anchoring my to because the Bible says there are things that are to be seen and they are in the eternal. But the things which are not seen are eternal. So I can see things that are eternal and receive them now. Do you know... Four years, five years ago, I got a revelation of uh, Revelation 3.21. So I got a revelation from the book of Revelation 3.21 that says this. Those who overcome, I grant them to sit with me on my throne as I am with my father on his throne. You know what that's done for this guy? Get out of the way, man. Bulldozer coming. So much power, so much life, because I can see that now. I can see it. He's revealed it. I've got the faith to see it. I've received it by faith and it's created hope. The stuff you go through is nothing. Nothing compared to that. Nothing at all can touch it. It's living. It's active. It's real. It's not abstract, guys. It's not out there somewhere in the spooky, kooky, somewhere up there. It's here and here. And it creates passion, energy, life, perseverance. And that has to be harnessed. So have grace for me while I I, I work with him on harnessing this horse that wants to (laughs) Someone once said to me a few years ago, he said, Greg, you're like a fire hydrant, man. It's like you're asking us to drink water, but it's like a hydrant's coming out (laughs) here. I said, sorry. I'm working on it. I'm trying to work with him on it. But when you get life and sight, man, it takes over. And you want to share it because you know it's not just for you. It's for his body. So there are things that are to be seen, faith. And it goes on. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, 6, and 7, Therefore, being always of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in the body, We are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Have you ever thought, what does that mean? What he's saying is you don't walk by physical sight, you walk by spiritual sight because faith is sight. Remember, it's not trust, it's sight. So, for we walk by spiritual sight, not by physical sight. Well, that's exactly what he's saying in 2 Corinthians 4, 16. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart, Ephesians 1, 17, 18, would what? Be enlightened, opened up. The eyes of your mind or your heart. Your heart, so what? You could see. Why do you think it says guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life? What's this life he's trying to bring you into? In your heart is kingdom life, supernatural life, not of the earth. But if your heart's given away to every Tom, Dick, and Harry and everything on the earth and you're anchored to the earth through your heart, guess what? The chances of you actually seeing spiritually are minimized even though it is for you because you've given your heart away. He says, I want you to love me with all your heart. I don't want to share your heart with anybody. I share my glory with no one. I'm a jealous lover in a good way. So we may have to get our hearts back from everyone we've given it out to. For true sight to come. Because he says, blessed are your eyes for they see. And blessed are your ears for they hear. But the next verse he's rebuking them for not seeing and not hearing. (laughs) Because their hearts were hard as well. And they had to go on the same process that we need to go on. Which is this process of the spirit. Faith or spiritual sight births hope. Without faith we won't have living hope. It's not rocket science, it's really simple. Love is the greatest because love fills a man with power and life. He gets to know the Father through love and continues to know the Father. As he sits at the Father's feet, the Father reveals bringing sight, faith. That's why Mary was at his feet and Martha was running around, wasn't she? She was getting revelation from heaven, man. And she was invited to sit down, but she said, no, no, I'm busy. And I'm worried about stuff. Don't worry about stuff. Why are you worrying about stuff, guys? Life is more than food. Body more than clothing. Don't I look after the birds? Matthew 6. Same thing everywhere. Because he wants us to have a living hope. Last scripture, 1 Peter. The third point is hope is the third and final stabilizer. 1 Peter 1, verses 3 to 9. Is this helping anyone today? Okay, here we go. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy, so thankful, man, for mercy, has caused us, His mercy causes us to be born again. See, when you receive the mercy of God, you want to get right. You realize just how patient he's been with you, the mercy of God. It's what the blind man cried out for, have mercy on us. I know I'm a scoundrel. Would you have mercy on me, Lord? He says, yes, I will. Has caused us to be born again. I've got to get born again because I've encountered God, mercy. What though? To a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So when you got born again, did you get born again through a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Did the hope come through the resurrection? The power that raised Jesus from the grave, that's where hope comes from. So have you received that power that raised Jesus that Paul said, I want to know because that's where it all comes from. It comes through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Listen to this in verse 4. To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. There's an inheritance. If I told you there was a 100 million pounds waiting for you, how would that alter your life? And you were going to get it because the person that was given to you, it was on their deathbed. You would be living differently. You would be planning differently, wouldn't you? You would be going, man, what am I going to do with that 100 I'm going to take a trip back to Anfield, Liverpool's home ground. I'm going to buy a season ticket forever until Jesus comes back. Maybe this year, Terry, but maybe not next. <laughs> but it would alter you, wouldn't it? Let's be honest. So he's saying there is this inheritance which is what? Imperishable. Doesn't the Bible talk about athletes that compete for a prize but it's perishable wreath? And yet there's this is unperishable prize on offer? It's undefiled. It will not fade away, reserved in heaven. Bible says, set your mind on the things above, not on the things of the earth, for where Christ is seated in heavenly places. What is it about what's up there that we need to receive and bring it down that would be in here? That's for now, even though it's a future reality, who are protected by the power of God through faith, for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. This is what this thing does. This God, the love, faith, hope, being more precious. Sorry, uh, uh, various trials. So that, there's that word, two words, the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable. even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen Him, you love Him, and though you do not see Him now, but believe in Him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith The salvation of your soul. Whoa, man, there's so much in there, isn't there? (laughs) Now that is weighty, it's not heavy. Massive difference between heavy and weighty. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Although Jesus wasn't physically around You love them. How do you love them if you haven't seen them? Because you've seen (laughs) them. Say that again. How do you love someone you haven't seen because you've seen them? Because you've seen them through the Spirit doing a work of power, and so you do know them, and you have seen them, so you love them. Man, Jesus died 2,000 years ago, but I've seen him and I know him. And I'm getting to know him more and more and more. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest is love. That's what I want to leave you today. I believe that's what he wants to leave us with today. To meditate on, to chew over, to go back and listen again, and listen again, and listen again, and listen again, and hear what he is saying to us. For it's massive and it's for us. Amen.